The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Welcome to another episode of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddox. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddox. In this episode of the show, I'm joined by my good buddy, Patrick Corain, and we went through basically a, a crash course on rookie drafts this upcoming summer. We know lots of drafts are kicking off on the FFPC right now. Uh, a lot of our leagues are going to start doing their rookie drafts next week, so we just kind of went through a bunch of the major decision points that people are going to have in both regular and Superflex Dynasty rookie drafts. I I know this is pretty niche for uh, the main TakeCast channel, but I think a lot of you guys will get some actionable info out of it because uh, Pat and I, we we love this rookie class. We love these drafts, and I think we have some good insight. If you want to support the show, uh, you can leave a rating or review on iTunes. You can subscribe to bonus shows on patreon.com slash TakeCast, or you can create an account on Starstock and use the promo code DavisMatic and get a free ten dollars now let's get into the show all right everyone welcoming pat corain into the show uh pat has been on a been on a take cast before but uh with overzet so this is your your maiden debut on your own obviously pat and i have done a million podcasts together but the reason why this was on the take cast feed and not the sports grid feed is i i think that this is going to be good evergreen content for the next couple months because you know Pat, the leagues you and I are in, everyone's literally like itching. Like we got these DM threads, like when's a rookie draft start, like trading picks. But, you know, some normal people are going to do their rookie drafts in like August and stuff. Um, So this will be good uh, kind of evergreen-ish style content. And I didn't want it to get too buried on the sports grid feed. So, Pat, what we're going to do today is this is just going to be like the the skeleton key to rookie drafting. Um, Obviously, most of the leagues you and I play in are super flex. So it's gonna it's gonna lean pretty heavily that way, but really for regular drafting, you just have to assume like oh every quarterback is gonna go fifteen picks later. Um, I, well, that's interesting. Where do you think Trevor Lawrence, Lance, and Fields should go in non superflex like the the FFPC leagues, right? Where it's one quarterback, tight end, premium. Where do you think they should go? I had Lawrence, Lance, and Fields ranked back to back to back uh, at fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen in my PPR ranks. Yeah, I, I, which I think is um, about right. But it, I, I now think that the most popular form of fantasy football for nerds is super flex, tight end premium, uh, where you start 11 players and have very deep rosters. I, I think that is the preeminent league type that people are playing in these days. Well, I like So we have we've bashed on the industry leagues a little bit just because people, you know, tend to be a, a bit more hesitant to trade and they want to make sure they're getting just enough value and they'll leave like 95% completed trades abandoned on the on the side of the road. Whereas in, you know, if you play an FFPC, FFWC, people actually just fire off trades. It's a lot more fun. But yes, these industry leads leagues, I really like how the trend towards Superflex it is differentiating them and is making 
playing in these leagues more fun because of the format itself where you don't have as common of the of a high quality super flex format the ffpc just launched a super uh super flex format that i do like but even that has a cut down to 16 players in the offseason and i just don't really understand that it's like you know, it, it, it just kind of levels everything out in a way that I don't enjoy. Well, you got to, you have to cut here. good players. So, yeah. so, and I guess what is interesting is all the high stakes leagues on FFPC are super flex. Like if you're trying to get into a $1,200, Leone and I are in a, a $1,500 one, it's super flex. So I, I do think that it's clearly trending that way. I do. I, I really hate the FFPC roster cut down um it and it makes the picks less valuable so like a second round pick a future second round pick in one of these best ball leagues where we have 30 man rosters and we start um 11 players two quarterbacks uh the second round pick is like a guy you're expecting to get points out of in the upcoming year a second round pick in these ffpc leagues you you may literally never start that guy You, you you might take blake jarwin or whatever because it's tight end premium and then, you know, Blake Jarwin doesn't come back from his ACL or whatever, and you cut him. But it, it is the, – the pool is, hev- is uh, heavy on the veterans. So I, <clears throat> I thought kind of just what we do is go through our rankings, see where we agree and disagree. I, I tiered my rankings out. So I have, I have seven tiers. Uh, my first tier, I, I think this is inarguable. It's Lawrence, Fields, Lance, Chase, and Pitts. I think that is the clear – top tier obviously non-superflex your top tier would just be chase and pits maybe maybe in non-superflex you'd put Najee harris in there just because those running back points year one and year two are going to be so valuable in non-superflex but i i think that is the inarguable top tier for superflex drafts well it's a little disrespectful to zach wilson the number two pick in the draft i mean it's one thing to have pits over wilson which i think is totally fine uh, you think it's very, very bad that I have it the other way. But to not even include Wilson in the tier is the number two pick. I mean, this guy, the Jets franchise is tied to him for the next three, four years. He's got a big arm. He's mobile. And he's playing in the exact same system that we're all excited about Lance to be in. So I, I don't quite understand kind of the disrespect of of not even having him in the tier. Well, I, so I guess one thing is I'm not certain how much – he is going to run. Um, I also, I, I can't proclaim to know a ton about Michael Lafleur. Uh, maybe, maybe you know more about him. So he is the New York Jets offensive coordinator. I, I think in general, my concerns about Wilson are, I don't, I don't like uh, defensive head coaches, which Zach Wilson has, you know, that that's not great. The, the defensive head coach setup. like, I, I mean, just how many times have we seen this story play out where young quarterback gets drafted? He has a defensive head coach, a first time offensive coordinator, and it just doesn't, it just doesn't quite come together for him. I also just have questions about Zach Wilson's ability, uh, you know, was really not that strong as uh, a freshman and a sophomore had the crazy season at BYU. And also a big thing that you just said there is you implicated the draft capital. I just don't view the Jets as being that smart of a team. I view it as a big mistake that they did not take Justin Fields. I still kind of think it was a mistake that the 49ers didn't take Justin Fields. So so that is weighing into my decision as well. And I, I don't view NFL decision makers as unimpeachable. Now, does Zach Wilson get a longer leash than Fields? Yeah. I don't, probably, yeah. Probably. 
because I also think, you know, you've got a new administration here, whereas with the Bears, these guys could all be out after the year. If Fields doesn't look good, they're all out. So now you've got Fields restarting with an entire, you know, it's a total wild card what he gets in year two, and he's got to learn a whole new system potentially. So that's a that's a that's a real red flag. Whereas, you know, I don't know that much about Lafleur, but he is a Shanahan guy. He's he's bringing the Shanahan system. It looks like they're drafting for the Shanahan system with the linemen and stuff, right? So they're, I think they're going to be at least something we're familiar with. He's not Kyle Shanahan. He's not going to be as creative. But we generally know that they're going to be probably rolling him out. There's going to be a lot of play action. So I'm comfortable with the idea that he's going to be able to run around a little bit, make some big throws. And I guess one of the things for me is that are you, when you're ranking these, are you thinking like, I'm advising someone to hold this guy for the next two years, or I'm saying like, Hey, take this guy because he's going to provide you the biggest value gain. And you should always be open to trading them down the line because similar guys like this are Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones was a bad real life pick, but he can run around the franchise was tied to him and everyone got really excited about Daniel Jones for a minute. And that was a huge selling window. You could, you could make, I have Lawrence in a, in a draft because I traded away Daniel Jones. So yeah, I just think with, with the positional value, like you're going to have to, you're going to have to go through some valleys with Kyle Pitts most likely, unless he's like, just unless he unless he comes out right away, seven hundred yards, five touchdowns as a rookie. Yeah, but the probability of that is pretty low given what we've seen historically from tight ends. It's it's possible. The fact that it's even in his range of outcomes shows what an amazing tight end prospect he is. But it's hardly a lock given what we've seen historically at the tight end position. And even you know guys like Chase, you know all these running backs. Like there's gonna be there's gonna be valleys with these guys too. So I just think the positional. Um, value of, of Zach Wilson, you're probably going to be able to get more for a, you know, than a Kyle Pitts for him at some point, you know, you're going to be able to get more than maybe even a Jamar chase for him. If he flashes the way I think he can flash. Yeah. So one of the things is, is I, I expect that, that I'm not the only person that feels this way about Zach Wilson and that there's just going to be a little bit of jets stink on him in the trading market, by the way, the same way that there is a giant stink on Daniel Jones, like da- like Daniel Jones, you could get a reasonable package for, but at this point people are like, uh, and reasonable people are like, well, he could be out of a job in a year. Uh, he could he could go the Mitch Trubisky route. Um, and I, you, I yeah, you're going to need to be nimble with Zach Wilson. But yeah. you know, during his rookie year, I traded away Daniel Jones in a second for what became Herbert and Lawrence. So like, there's opportunity here if you're going to be nimble and willing to to sell this guy when the window presents itself. I don't think that stink is going to be the type of thing that prevents a sell window it's the type of thing where if he's not playing well people are going to be out but if he you know the stink is already on the stink is like baked in right now the stink is why he's not in your tier right so so it's not like the stink is going to come and ruin this the stink is why you can get him at a discount in the first place um i my my dog murphy really likes the zach wilson Uh, yeah i think i think i think murphy's with me i think murphy is with you that was an angry mark yeah i think he's like dude (laughs) corinne shut up because if let me tell you this if pitts has like his 85th percentile rookie season you're going to be able to trade kyle pitts for the moon you'll be able to get what you'll be able to trade kyle pitts (laughs) 
for you know Derrick Henry, you'll be able to trade him for for someone great. Murphy, Murphy, I I definitely can tell that he agrees with me on this take, and so that's that's why I am there with Kyle Pitts. I I would definitely take Kyle Pitts ahead of Wilson. What I'm struggling with is I just want Kyle Pitts on my teams. But I, I'm picking in a lot of spots where I'm going to have to be picking between Trey Lance and Kyle Pitts. And it just it does feel like a mistake to take Kyle Pitts ahead of Trey Lance because Trey Lance could just play bad as a rookie and you know be benched for Jimmy G or whatever. But he's going to run enough, and he's in that Shanahan system that I think, regardless, Trey Lance is going to hold his draft day value for like 18 months, regardless of what he does on the field, I think. Yeah, and Trey Lance could be like the 105 in startups next year. Like Trey yep. Lance is you're I think you're crazy if you take Trey Lance over Kyle Pitts. The the correlation between these tight end prospects and, and the hits are is so low. So yeah, I think Trey Lance you can Murphy, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that is I think that is a good point. I think we could see a rise for Lance similar to what we saw with Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson where they were uh where they just end up being like almost untouchable um dynasty assets so uh yeah I I think before we move on I did want to ask you because I want to say two things one I'm not even like dead set on Wilson ahead of Pitts because Pitts is an incredible prospect I just want you to put Wilson in the tier with Pitts but the other thing I'll ask is like with PPR rankings the, the people do not like my Kyle Pitts ranking in PPR they, they're really they're really mad about my PPR ranking of Kyle Pitts. Uh, one, I have Rashad Bateman ahead of him, which I'm higher on Bateman than Waddle, but I also have Waddle ahead of him, and I also have Javante Williams ahead of him. So I have Kyle Pitts seventh in PPR, non-tight end premium. Where are you at on that? Uh, on yeah. Bateman ahead of Pitts? Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, that it's a, it's it's a, it's an almost non-defensible position. I, I so, just beca- okay, so- because there there is I, I love Bateman. I love the Ravens. There is no scenario where Bateman appreciates enough that you are able to flip him for a crazy return. They're just they, in yes, year one. In, in year one, what, okay. what would he what would he do in year one that could make him have more startup value than Kyle Pitts? I I really don't see it. Yeah. All right. That, that, that's a fair point. My, my thing with wide receivers is that it's like the one spot where we actually have the ability to predict which ones of, of these guys are, are gonna going be good. to be good. Yeah. And when we ignore that, it often is extremely, extremely painful. Like if you just go look back at previous draft classes and see like where Kevin White was drafted, where, yep. where Josh, Josh Doxson was drafted, like, it is a painful lesson to ignore what we know about wide receiver prospects, which is that we want guys who are very productive over their entire careers. Bateman was extremely productive. We want guys who broke out early, broke out as a sophomore. He followed it up with an excellent an amazing 49, 48% dominator rating in his final season. Yards per route run off the charts, way better than his teammates in yards per route run. He declared early. He's got everything we're looking for from a wide receiver prospect. The only thing was the draft capital. Is the NFL going to buy into this guy? Did the, did the film guys like him enough to put their stamp on him? They did. He goes in the first round of the NFL draft. The bet on Bateman is that he's good. And we have strong evidence that he is good at a position where that evidence really matters. So I just want to bet on the what fact if, that what he's if you take be away 
What if you take away the tight end label from Pitts, though, and just put him in everything as a wide receiver? He would come out the same way. First not first non-quarterback drafted, insane market share when he plays, off-the-charts measurables, film guys says he's great, NFL says he's great. Like, if you just labeled Pitts as a wide receiver, everything that is true about Bateman or Chase would be true of Pitts as well. And I don't expect well, Atlanta to be sending him out there to block. Pitts has a 19% career market share of yards. I mean, he is not, as a wide receiver prospect, he is not a bulletproof wide receiver prospect. He's an extremely high upside wide receiver prospect, but I would have him a tick below Bateman just in terms of he just wasn't as productive. Now, again, he was playing the tight end position. If he had been actually playing wide receiver, he probably would. He probably well, and would he got he got he got hurt but... he got hurt also. Um, so he didn't even play, he didn't even well, that, play. That's for games played. Yeah, that's in games played. Yeah, I mean, so I guess you you move his breakout age to twenty one. Not as good. Yeah, I I mean, I I am I'm with you on Bateman. I have um, in my rankings, I have Bateman behind Waddle, but ahead of Devonta Smith, ahead of Javante Williams. Uh, so real quick, tier two for me, Zach Wilson, Najee Harris, ETN. I suspect I probably will not end up with any of these guys in my rookie drafts because I also suspect that some drafters are going to take Harris ahead of Zach Wilson. Some drafters mm -hmm. might even take Najee Harris ahead of Jamar Chase. I don't think anyone – the the – Fantasy football nerds are completely enamored with Kyle Pitts. I've seen Pitts already go 101 in some drafts. Um, people just really want Kyle Pitts. But but people see Najee Harris's landing spot in Pittsburgh, and they say, I want that dude. I want that dude getting the guaranteed touches. Um, and then, by the way, for ETN, I think they see what happened with DeAndre Swift, where, sure, it wasn't completely immediate that he'd be getting the all these touches, but that he was going to be working in the passing game. ETN is tied to, to Trevor Lawrence. ETN is tied to an offense we expect to be decent, although I think their head coaching and offensive coordinator situation seems bad. I, I think the Jaguars are going to be very inefficient year one with too many first down runs. That bad. He really likes to establish it. Bevel yeah. does. Yeah. Um, and so I think we're I I think the first eight weeks of the season we are going to see a lot of James Robinson and Carlos Hyde way more way more than we want to see and Expect maybe Carlos Hyde this guy played Adrian Peterson last year yeah um and and by the way there was a gigantic dip buying opportunity for Cam Akers last year I know because I sold Cam Akers during <laughs> that I, in in one in one league in one league I traded in one league I traded for him in one league I traded him away. Uh, because Danny Kelly from the ringer knew catnip for me. And he offered me McCall Hardman and a pick. And oh, so yeah. I accepted McCall Hardman and a pick uh, that's, during. That's pretty smart. Yeah. I mean, he knew, he knew what he was doing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that uh, I think that there will be a dip buying opportunity on ETN, but yeah, I mean, do you anticipate leaving any draft with Najee Harris? I, I assume you have Bateman ranked very closely to him. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> I have uh, I have Najee Harris ahead. I've got Chase. So non superflex, I've got Chase Harris, Etn Bateman. I, yeah. I do. I, I think it's possible. I I leave drafts with Najee Harris. I have Harris ranked seventh in superflex, but I've got the one hundred six in one of these leagues and was kind of talking out options. We need a running back. I do have Harris ahead of Etn. You know, I, I didn't want to put Harris ahead of Etn, but God, I mean. I was looking at like guys who just get drafted as workhorses, even, even TJ Yeldon uh, 
yeah had 13 points a game in his rookie year and tj yeldon was was terrible so it's like he honestly can be terrible and still put up a usable season yeah it doesn't matter i mean yeah. i mean james connor was never really good for the steelers right by the way did you know uh tj yeldon's name is, is timothy antonio yeldon what, where's Where is the, the j is he a junior he's, he's got to be a junior oh, right he's a junior okay that, I mean, I, I, I don't know if that's true. I would just assume that's where the J came from. I think you're right. He's a junior. So it's yeah. Timothy Jr. Timothy Jr. TJ. TJ. Got it. Yeah. Okay, TJ. Got it. I, I actually love TJ Yeldon. Uh, that's a guy who stole a bunch of my money over the years in, uh, in, uh, in DFS. So where, where I think the draft gets really spicy then is if you have a later first round pick, because if someone makes a mistake ahead of you, like, oh, okay, I will just draft ETN or Zach Wilson or whoever. Um, but nine through 13, I have Mac Jones, Jalen Waddell, Bateman, Devonta Smith, Javante Williams. These rankings basically guarantee I won't get Devonta Smith because Bateman will almost always be on the board when he's there. I, I expect the ranking that will ruffle people's feathers is Javante Williams. I expect the market to treat him in in the same tier as Harris and ETN because the Broncos traded up for him. Their offense actually should probably be pretty good. Melvin Gordon is entering in year seven of the NFL now, I think. Like he he yeah. just doesn't really strike me as someone to keep Javante off the field. I mean, he was very inefficient last year. He was he was not good. And a free agent after the season. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that was the big that was one of the reactions that I got. I have uh Javante Williams seventh. Uh, sorry, Javante Williams sixth in PPR and eleventh in Superflex, and yeah, one of the reactions that I got was was why solo on Javante Williams. So you have him even two spots lower than me, but people think my rank's low. Yeah. Um. So I I think you're exactly right that people the market is going to have him kind of right behind ETN, probably ahead of Bateman and Waddle. I don't know. I mean, I I guess I wouldn't rule out Melvin Gordon re-signing there. Uh, if you're Melvin sure. Gordon, I think you, you'd be happy with a, with a one-year deal on the cheap. The other thing with Williams is that I do like his receiving profile. He was an efficient receiver, but he was not the primary receiver in his own college offense. And Melvin Gordon profiles in a way where I think Javante Williams is probably going to take the early down work first. And Melvin Gordon can hang on to some of the receiving stuff as a way of being involved in the offense. If that ends up happening and Melvin Gordon resigns or they bring in someone else, you, you can start to see how Javante kind of gets pigeonholed as like the early, down, the early guy. down guy and yeah. and kind of like a David Montgomery situation where David Montgomery, you know, he could he could catch passes. We saw last year after Cohen got hurt that, oh, yeah, he could be a three down guy. But the the path it's never as simple as you know melvin gordon's gonna leave then they don't bring in anybody and javante williams is a workhorse like there's a little bit of of concern here and as opposed to etn where i think he's gonna come in i mean they've already said he's gonna come in as the pass catcher and basically work his way into the rushing that's what we want that's way way better than a guy coming in the other way and trying to work his way to the pass catching work so i just uh I think that profile of how he earns playing time, that's a bit concerning. And it's not even a given that he has the backfield to himself next year. Yeah. I, I just, I can't, I can't imagine being on the clock and take, I mean, even, even Waddle and Smith 
like I, I cannot imagine. And I don't even really like Devonta Smith. So I guess you could argue Smith did kind of end up in an ideal spot where he doesn't really like, we love, we love Jalen Rager, but you know, Devonta Smith won a Heisman. The team spent a first round pick on him. They, they traded in order to select him. Like he's going to have every opportunity, like in, in, in a way that Rager really didn't because Rager was hurt. Rager was pigeonholed into that nine route role early on because of the presence of Zach Ertz, Alshon Jeffrey, Travis Fulgham. Like it just, it, it Rager had like a, a total nightmare rookie season um, in a way that I don't expect Devonta Smith to have the nightmare rookie season, like QB controversy and all that stuff. But I, I don't even like Devonta Smith, but he's going to have a chance to earn a bunch of targets year one. I think we'll see. I, I'm worried. I know you, you hate Smith. the wide receiver coach. I hate the wide receiver coach and Evan Silva brought up a point on uh, the established run podcast about the Colts, how they rotate their wide receivers a lot. And my concern with the Eagles is that they were rotating their outside wide receivers a ton down the stretch it was killing Rager's value. Cause he's only running like 60% of the routes you'd expect. And uh, I think the exact same thing could happen to Devonta Smith. I don't know. So his saving grace could be if he's their primary slot guy and getting outside snaps, in which case he does have a really good chance to earn a bunch of targets. But if they keep doing what they were doing last year, it's going to suck for everyone. So this isn't like a Rager take. This is a, the Eagles wide receivers might not be where you want to put your money take. Yeah. Um, All right. The next tier, this was the tier of guys who basically gained value during the NFL draft, because I I think this, uh, the, the first 13 guys, Lawrence Fields, Lance, Chase, Pitts, Wilson, Harris, Etienne, Mac Jones, Jalen Waddle, Bateman, Devonta Smith, Javante Williams. I think everyone thought those guys are in the first round conversation regardless of how the NFL drafts falls. And then I think there were just a lot of question marks based on draft capital spent, where they went. So my tier four is Terrace Marshall. I thought this was like the nut, nut landing spot for him. And now at first I was like, well, Carolina, is there enough targets, quarterback situation, whatever. But then I just zoomed out a little bit and I realized, okay, well, Curtis Samuels targets are vacated. They had, they gave a 7% target share to Ian Thomas last year. Oh, and who's his offensive coordinator, the guy who made him a superstar at LSU. Um, and it is, and, and by the way, Marshall had a bunch of medical red flags. I would think Joe Brady would probably have some good insight on that. Like, oh, I like that. Point. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to text my buddy, Ed, Ed Orgeron, and that's not how you say his name, the LSU head coach, and be like, oh, you know, what, what's actually going on with Terrace Marshall? Like, I, I, I think that this is actually a case of narrative street that is going to work out, that is, is going to be a case of the narrative street um, actually having some signal instead of just being total noise. Then I have Rondale. Then I have Elijah. I expect Jameson Crowder is not going to be on – the New York Jets come the week one. I think he will be, they can save a bunch of money. They already talked they, about cutting him before they drafted him. Yep. Uh, then Trey Sermon lands in a really solid spot. I'm not that enamored with him. I imagine a lot of the time I'll be able to choose between Trey Sermon and Elijah Moore. I would prefer Elijah. Pat Fryermuth, I moved way up in my rankings from pre draft to now. Second round draft capital, a team that. I, I imagine he will probably get on the field pretty soon for, for Pittsburgh. Um, I, I liked him enough as a prospect. And, you know, we play in these tight end premium leagues where 
if you can get the, the tight end 10 in the second round of your draft and hold him for three years, that becomes an appreciable asset. Then Kadarius Tony, who I won't even, I won't take him. Like, even if he's on the board here for me, I, I can't imagine <laughs> taking him. And then Diami Brown. Higher than me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a first round wide receiver. Like, yep. you know, what, what, what can you do? There's a, a certain type round. of first round wide receiver that I am willing, I am extremely comfortable betting against. And, and yeah. Darius Tony is that wide receiver. All right. So what are your general thoughts on this tier? <clears throat> well, so you've made me want to move up Terrace Marshall. I have, I have Rondale Moore 14th, Elijah Moore 15th and Terrace Marshall 16th uh, with, you know, everyone, this is super flex and we've covered everyone above that. Um, I think, you know, Rondo Moore landed in the perfect spot. I mean, nut, nut, nut. You could not have asked him to go to a better spot. Because he's going to be a full-time slot guy, which we knew. But this is this is a, a team where being a full-time slot guy can mean being a full-time player. And he's going to potentially have a vertical component to his game, which I don't think he would have had in almost any other setting. So I love this. And then Elijah Moore, I also think that Crowder will be off the team. Um, and he's a... I mean, the size isn't there, but other than that, his prospect. Such a good really prospect. Good. Yeah. Such a good prospect. I mean, a better, a better on paper prospect than Terrace Marshall, even if you kind of squint a little bit with Terrace Marshall, I mean, you know, we make excuses for him being behind Jefferson and chase and, and all that, but like he still didn't do it until they left. So there is a real boom bust element to his profile. Um, he did have a decent stretch before he got hurt, uh, in 2019 but i think that the floor is a lot lower with marshall although the ceiling is pretty high so i am tempted to move him up um give me a little bit more thoughts on marshall in comparison to the moors i expect that robbie anderson is now he's got i robbie anderson is got to be 30. Okay, he's 20. Wow, I'm way off. How is Robbie Anderson so deal. young? Yeah, so he's on the last year of his deal. Now, Matt Rule loved Robbie Anderson, coached him at Temple, right? We're all, we're all, we're, we're all the narrative street. <laughs> so people, no, people were not in on the narrative, though. They didn't realize it until the season started, really. Robbie Anderson you, was like free in best ball drafts last yeah, year. He I was know. he was going third out of DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and Robbie Anderson. Um, and Robbie's a good player. Uh, and obviously we all love DJ Moore. Like DJ, DJ Moore is like the nerd icon. Like yeah. he's like, he's, he's like, he is. He's, <laughs> he's literally every single dynasty ranks I do has a DJ Moore. Post. Yeah. Like you, like you, you prove that you're a dynasty nerd by like ranking DJ Moore, like wide receiver four ahead of yeah. like ahead of yeah, like, Oh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take DJ Moore for Hopkins straight up. Like that's how you, you prove that's your true. metal. I yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. So the thing with Marshall is I, I, anticipate that they want to play him outside which means he fits perfectly dj moore big slot robbie anderson is the flanker terrace marshall classic x now i think he could play in the slot just based off of watching what he did at lsu like i don't i don't think he would have a problem transitioning there if carolina moves on from rule moves on from brady what now i don't anticipate that happening immediately i think there should be targets available also immediately i mean it the Panthers yeah, are the Panthers are like the most target condensed team in the NFL. And it is not it's not mattered who has coached them. Doesn't matter if it was Rule or Riviera. All their targets go to four guys. Rob, you know, the three wide receivers and Christian McCaffrey. They don't throw to a tight end. They don't even have a good tight end on the roster. They also don't have any good reserve wide receivers on the roster. Like this is not um 
the Falcons where Russell Gage and, or, you know, Brandon Powell or Olamide Zacchaeus sub in, it's just the three dudes. Like last year, outside of uh, Anderson, Moore, Samuel, and the combination of Mike Davis and McCaffrey, Ian Thomas earned 31 targets. Rodney Smith earned 11. Alex Arma, a fullback, earned nine. The most targets that the, four, the another wide receiver had was Farrell Cooper with eight. Mm. So I just anticipate him coming in and, and basically, no, he's not going to get the carries that Curtis Samuel had, but 90 targets, 65 receptions, rookie year. I, I would be happy with that. And you want to talk about how these assets appreciate. They do it the way T. Higgins just did it. Like you show up, yep. you're good. Everyone sees that you're good. The numbers say you're good. And then the guy blocking you leaves, which is the exact thing that could happen here with Robbie Anderson on the last year of his deal. And then everyone gets super excited about it, just like uh, I am about T. Higgins, even still with Chase Drafted. I think T. Higgins right. is going to be a value. So, yeah, I think that uh, it's a pretty good case for Marshall. I'll probably move him ahead of the Moors. Yeah. Um, I And I like Rondale Moore. I hope to get him in some of these drafts. But, I mean, look, A.J. Green is going to play way more than anyone wants him to. I, I'm just going to put that out there right now. I, like, <clears throat> it would not surprise me to start the year if the three wide receiver set is Kirk, Hopkins, A.J. Green, Edmonds, and then Rondale is the rotational fourth guy. I, I literally don't even know. Arizona moved on from Dan Arnold. I, I literally don't even know what they have. Max Williams? I, Max, sure. Max Williams. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, sure. <laughs> I, I don't. And, and Andy Isabella still on the roster. Don't know. Don't know what their plans are there. I, I, I imagine he plans are. I imagine he's going to make the. He, I, I think he'll probably make this because he's a punt returner a too. Right. Yeah. He'll, he'll make the team, but it's not. He's, he's yeah. rotational depth. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I, I don't know. Do you want to give the spiel on Kadarius Tony? Well, I mean, I already kind of talked about like the Josh Jacksons and the Kevin Whites and, you know, avoiding these bad wide receiver prospects um, at all costs. I think he's even worse than, you know, those guys like he's I mean, he's worse in the sense that like all the film guys when the Giants took took him were like, what are they thinking? This guy stinks, you know, like he's got highlights. But but if you watch his film, it's not there. Everything I've read about like his you know, route running. He's just like, he totally freelances. He just kind of makes stuff up as he goes along. I mean, he sounds like a total nightmare for an offensive coordinator. So it's not even just like, I'm looking at my spreadsheet and he's looks like, you know, the worst first round pick in years, which he does. But the, the guys looking at the film are going, he looks like the worst first round pick in years. And now he lands in a situation where they just signed Galladay. They've got Shepard. They've got Slayton. Like there's, guys who can play on this roster. It's not like he's just falling into targets here. So he actually has to be good to even earn like, you know, rotational kind of like, like he's, he's got to be good just to like get a couple spikes, spike weeks in a best ball league, you know, like it's a really bad situation for immediate production. Uh, and the profile says there's probably never going to be any production. So I don't, I mean, <laughs> on the other hand, uh, well, actually just one more thing to bash him. The one out I think he had was converting to running back. And now he it's lands. Not, it's not what you want. Saquon Barkley. So it's, it's not, that's not happening. He's not going to be a pass catching running back on this team either. He's totally boxed out. 
I think at a certain point, though, you do have to say, well, he was a first round pick and like we could all be really wrong. And like that's worth something. So I have him, you know, what in the the late second. Uh, I've got him at 21 in Superflex, 19th in PPR. Uh, you know, if everyone, if I'm in an industry league and everyone decides he's useless, I will grab him. At a if Kadarius Tony is sitting I, there I at Jefferson. At- yeah, if he's sitting there at the 302, yeah. like, come on. You know what I mean? Right. I have some Van Jefferson shares because, like, it got late enough in these industry leagues where it's like, all right, well, he was a second-round pick, and that's worth something. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he sucks too, but but that's where I'm at with Tony. Yeah. All right, tier three, Amari Rogers, who I have way boosted up in my stuff compared to where he was pre-draft. I think it was a great landing spot. I think he should play right away. Uh, Green Bay has success with this style player, right? Ty Montgomery converted slot wide receiver to running back. Uh, Rogers is 5'9", 210 pounds. It's just, a, I mean, that's like catnip to me. Like a guy, like I, I just, I love Amari Rogers. Do you um, think he's like, I, I know he's kind of a Debo Samuel type guy. I've heard that. Yeah. And he's, but his ADOT wasn't particularly low. Like, do you think he'll actually play kind of a hybrid role he looked like a slot wide receiver to me I'm, I'm having uh, i mean i i, I just think the i just think the possibility is there that that's all okay. i i just think the possibility is there uh amari rogers michael carter davis mills kyle trask those are you know end of the second round style guys in Superflex. those are total scratch offs but I, I don't think this is a very deep class so i think mm-hmm. they are usable uh i think they are are worthwhile lottery tickets Tylen Wallace, Anthony Schwartz, who has no production, but is super young. Like I, he's literally like one of the youngest players overall in the draft. Uh, Nico, route run too. He was efficient. He's not just fast. I think he could be some. Yeah. Nico Collins, whatever. Amon Ross St. Brown. I just think he's going to get, he's going to end up getting a bunch of bad volume his rookie year and become an appreciable asset. Chubba Hubbard. I actually think landed in a great spot where he's not going to appreciate year one but I do think he becomes the clear handcuff to McCaffrey with the exit of Mike Davis. They they've shown, you know, Reggie Bonifant and Alex Armad that they have no interest in playing those guys Tutu Atwell, just because of the draft capital. I, mm-hmm. I don't really believe in him at all. And then Kenneth Gainwell. Do you, do you have a favorite from this list? Well, there's a couple guys uh, not on the list that I think should be, should be in this tier in this tier. Okay. Um, Hit me Hunter long which I can see maybe why you didn't want to include him since he landed in Miami, but he is a third round pick. He was a very, very good pass catcher in college. We needed the day two draft capital with him because bit of a kind of wild card type prospect, but extremely good in yards per route run, kind of a wide receiver level yards per route run playing at the tight end position and very, very productive. So I think he could be a real hit. I have him one spot ahead of Pat Fryermuth because I don't like, the Steelers offense going forward. I don't think that he's going to be that productive this year with Ebron still there. Um, and I think Hunter Long with the day three or the the third round draft capital, not too far off where Firemuth was as a second round pick. So Hunter Long, I think, can shape up as a huge value in these uh, tight end premium leagues. And then Ramondre Stevenson is uh, is another guy that I like a lot. Yeah, he, he should probably be in this tier too. It, it's a great landing spot. He was productive, though he was, did not test well at, at Oklahoma's pro day, but it you know Patriots running back, it doesn't really matter. Patriots running back, he can catch passes, and he's 230 pounds. I think he's basically the new Rex Burkhead. And 
the move with the Patriots running backs has been take the cheap guy every year. He's going to be the cheap guy. James White's going to be gone soon. I don't think there's a ton in front of him with Damian Harris, right? So you, you have the potential for him to get playing time a number of ways. And we're about to move to Mac Jones at quarterback. So the value of the running backs is going to increase in a Mac Jones offense. As we look to the back half of 2021 and ending, entering 2022, I think there's going to be more excitement about this backfield again. And he could take a pretty big piece of that backfield. Yeah. All right. Uh, then tier six, tier seven. I, some of the names I, I will probably be targeting a ton. Demetric Felton. I saw that as a good landing spot in Cleveland uh, because they need both. Uh, they don't have a clear third running back and they don't have a clear third wide receiver. Like guys like Donovan Peoples-Jones and Rashard Higgins, like, you know, who cares? And, you know, they've been playing what Dearness Johnson ran like a 4.8, 440, you know, like, like they just, they just don't have, they just don't have anyone athletic in their reserve positions at either spot. So I could see, you know, 40 manufactured touches as a rookie for Felton and then building, um, building upon that. Uh, Tamori and Terry, I liked pre-draft a little bit, just as like a bigger bodied wide receiver. He seems, he seems like someone who could find his way. He, uh, no, he did get drafted. Tamorian, maybe he, maybe he just signed as an undrafted. Yeah, he signed as an undrafted free agent, but with the Seahawks, um, and he might be okay. better than Dwayne Eskridge. <laughs> where, where did you rank Eskridge? I ranked Eskridge thirty-two, just based off of draft capital, very similar to Tony. But I, I couldn't take him, and I assume I have, he'll be off the board by the time I, I pick have him. him. Twenty-two. I think I mean, the draft capital matters, man. Like he's he, such so, a bad prospect, though. He's such a bad prospect, but. He was a really good kick returner. So All he, right. he's probably active game day, right? You don't draft him in the second round. And they talked They talked about a special teams play when they took him. So it's like hard for me to imagine how he's not your kick returner with that type of draft capital and that justification. So that means he's active. And that yeah. means he's probably the wide receiver three or four. Yeah, David Moore is gone. David Moore's gone. He's got Freddie Swain blocking him. So he could pretty easily be the wide receiver three in San Francisco. And he had a pretty good yards per out run throughout his career. So it's like, I don't think he's like a total bum. He's not a good bet to be like a stud. But as you mentioned, this is not a deep class. So once you're down here, like I have him after after Kadarius Tony. Like once Kadarius Tony, you see Kadarius Tony, my ranks. That is a massive goes, tier break. It's 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 like ever like honestly from tier four to tier seven after Kadir yeah. Sony, it's like who cares? It's take whoever take whoever you want. Take whoever you want. So you might as well take a guy who's probably going to be active at, at wide receiver for the Seahawks every game this this year. Yeah. All right. A couple of other dart throws. Cornell Powell got drafted by the Chiefs. I have no idea if he is any good or not. Um, he really did not produce very much in college. Uh, Marquez Stevenson, I liked him a lot as a prospect just because he was so productive in that air raid style offense. Another special teams guy too. There we go. And uh, then Emir Smith-Marset, just because he was like a, a crazy spark athlete. And Minnesota does has had no third wide receiver production in years, it feels like. like It just, it just feels like they have the two guys. And um, Kyle Rudolph is gone now, a member of the – uh oh he's on the giants now the giants. and yeah so uh who were some, another who are some of the turner by the way so he's he's bang, like bang. the team yep so who are some of the who are some of the uh dart throws you have 
Uh, I still have Brevin Jordan in the dart throw list. Yes, yes, I agree. I agree for sure. In Houston, I mean, there's lots of opportunity in Houston. Um, and he, he was a fourth-round pick, so it's not like, you know, he's dead. I yeah, still have develop, developmental tight end. Yeah. Still have Seth Williams' uh, sixth-round pick. He's probably going to do nothing. But he had such a good profile before the day three draft capital. And even with the day three draft capital, like – he kind of profiles maybe like a Rashard Higgins where like, you know, he's going to probably, I think he's going to stick in the league. Yeah. And, he's so buried though. I mean, he, I don't know yeah. if he could have found a depth chart to be more buried. It's awful. It's really awful. Like he's uh, like their sixth, seventh pass catcher probably. Yeah. And they don't have a quarterback, but other than that, it's a great <laughs> landing spot. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not excited about, but I mean, it's a home run swing. And as I talked about, you know, we, we don't have too much depth here. The opportunity cost of taking the home run swing on Seth Williams is pretty low. Uh, Elijah Mitchell. I really yeah. like him. Uh, sub four, four forty sub seven, three cone. He's well-rounded as a running back. He can catch a little bit. He's a sixth round pick, but to San Francisco. So if he makes the roster, we're pretty interested. Look, we, we bid on Jamichael hasty. We can bid, we can bid yeah, on Elijah yeah, Mitchell. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think he's, uh, he's someone definitely like I have him, uh, 35th. I have him ahead of Chubba Hubbard just because like, like, okay, I can hold Hubbard for, you know, three years on my, on my bench and maybe he fills in for like six games and I'm happy to have him. but I'd rather kind of take the home run swing in this, in this range, like Hubbard's chance. I have Hubbard way too low based on his, uh, his career outlook, but I'm yeah. just like, you know, sure. A lot of the guys ahead of you are going to be out of the league, but are you ever going to provide me? Are you ever going to produce? Yeah. yeah. Um, my, my last dart my... throw, my last dart throw is Noah gray. He got drafted by the chiefs as the ninth tight end. He is above average in all hmm. athletic metrics. He had a 51 target season in 2019. Now, I mean, he's like, this is not Travis Kelsey or whatever, but they already have the blocking tight end on the roster. I, I, I literally for Kaiser, Nick Kaiser. Right. Um, so my, my thought is maybe they see a little bit of receiving talent here. No, I don't even know if he makes the team, but a, a, a chief's receiving tight end who makes the team who sticks on the team. That's worth a, you know, a fifth round rookie pick or whatever. I like that one. I like that one. Yeah. Um, where did you have Gainwell ranked? I had Gainwell ranked 31 as the final guy in tier five. My thought is he probably just replaces Boston Scott as the passing down back and the immediate handcuff maybe works his way into a timeshare in the latter half of year one. Uh, Not a ton of draft capital, way less draft. I thought he could have been a second round pick. Me too. Um, Did, did not do that. I, not a, not a, not the worst landing spot, not the best landing spot. I, I just, I thought it was net about fine. Uh, but, you know, clearly behind, you know, Trey Sermon now where I did not feel that way before the draft. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have him 23 right behind Eskridge in that, you know, rank your favorite home run swings range after Tony. But yeah, it was a pretty, pretty rough day for Gainwell and, uh, and Seth Williams. Uh, those are, those are two of my favorite pre-draft prospects that I had to bump down a lot. Yeah. All right, everyone. There you go. That was a crash course on your, uh, your rookie drafts. Uh, everyone make sure to follow Pat 
on Twitter. Uh, subscribe to Ship Chasing and read all Pat's stuff on ETR. And we'll be back next week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.